what I feel has been lost is the economic analysis to go with that, a real grounding in political economy, uh, an understanding of, of financial and monetary systems, um, how those function in practical terms, um, whether we agree with them or not, to understand them so we can better diagnose the ills and propose solutions that are grounded in, in, in a practical understanding of, of how they work, rather than thin narratives about the poor distribution of wealth and uh, standing up villains that you know we cast as, as responsible for all the ills. It may be that there are some villains involved here. But, you know, without fundamentally understanding monetary finance and financial systems and having a, a, a more robust political economic analysis of, of what underlies some of our, you know, social ills, I think our approaches are going to continue to, you know, be inadequate. And I find, you know, inadequacy in a lot of what's coming out of the, the, the left these days, quite frankly. Welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast, where we explore the intersection of Bitcoin and progressive issues. I'm your host, Mark Stefani. My guest today is Scott Wolf. Scott is the executive director at the Canadian Association of Community Health Centers. Scott's focus is addressing public policy and funding for these community health centers. In combination with his master's in political science, Scott brings a rich and diverse base of knowledge to Bitcoin. I wanted him on the show because he has demonstrated a rare ability to cut through a lot of the social media noise and deliver insight into why he believes Bitcoin to be a force for good. This was a rich conversation and one that I know that you will enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, Scott Wolf, thank you so much for joining me on the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. I'm happy to have you. Pleasure to be here, Mark. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. My pleasure. You are a delight to follow on Twitter. I don't know if it's just the Canadian upbringing, but uh, you are somebody I think many of us want to emulate because you are incredibly patient uh, and kind on a social media platform where that is not encouraged. So uh, having the, had the opportunity to speak with you uh, outside of this podcast, uh, I know that rings true in, in real life. So again, I'm grateful that you're here. Uh, th thanks so much. It's uh, that that means a lot to me. It's uh, it, that's something I aspire to. It's uh, it's not always easy. It's uh, it's sometimes more uh, delicious to 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 take that you know pot shot back and go tit for tat with people on on um, on social media, especially when our when our emotions uh, <laughs> come into play. But I really aspire to you know bring it down a few notches. Um, Look for common ground and like to think of myself as a bridge builder. So it's it's something I I am growing into. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate the comment. I'm grateful that uh, this is in fact your your first podcast. Uh, you've had, like I said, incredible insights on on social media, um, but now your first podcast, and so I, it's obviously going to be helpful for the listeners to have a better idea who of who Scott Wolf is and his background. Sure. So um, originally from Ottawa, capital city of Canada, grew up there, went to university there, did my undergraduate degree um, in political science and um, communication studies. 
from there went on uh, to do a graduate degree in political science. Maybe I'll speak just a little bit about my educational background because I think that that that's sort of an interesting backstory to you know who I am and 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 how I approach the Bitcoin space. Um, you know, in my in my teen years, um, did a fair amount of work related to uh, a fair amount of social justice work, largely focused on um, race relations, racial justice. Um, and, you know, moved into my uh, undergraduate degree thinking that I would focus on global development, human rights, uh, at which I did. Um, but somewhere along the way, I think in those, you know, formative years, late teens, early 20s, um, I was having a really hard time reconciling, you know, just the weight of, of, of all of that, my place in the world, et cetera. And steered towards political philosophy um, a bit more than I did my human rights, global development and communications work. I think, you know, in all honesty, because it was more comfortable to say, rather than take on the weight of all of these, you know, really tough questions, my place in the world, um, I'm just going to go up to the mountaintop, find the answer, come back down and, and, and have it all solved. I'm going to find truth with a capital T. So was that more of a intellectual pursuit rather than an action-based endeavor? Is that what you're getting at? It, it it was both. You know, I think it was a retreat from, like I said, the the the, the weight of dealing with you know the challenges of global development, uh, um, race relations, social injustice, uh, et cetera, and rather than you know try to hash that all out through the interpersonal relationships and. Um, you know, the real life activities. Let me just, you know, go up to that mountaintop, find the truth and come back with it and, and be done. Um, and, and I share that because that was an important lesson for me. I came out of that. I emerged from that. Um, I think, I, I think throughout my undergraduate degree, I was a bit of a double agent. Um, on the one hand, you know, all of these, you know, day-to-day -day, uh, activities, relationships, et cetera, that were very much about, um, you know, global development, um, building a more inclusive world, et cetera. Then in my academic pursuits was veering more towards the, the mountaintop, capital T, truth um, activities. And it took me until the end of my undergraduate degree and into my graduate degree to finally come to terms, I, I think, with that and, and to try to steer back towards a more um, applied humanistic uh, approach. I share that because I see similar, you know, tendencies when we talk about um, climate change, when we talk about other social challenges that we face today um, and within the Bitcoin community as well, to, to seek that capital T truth, that meta-narrative that, 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 you know, Bitcoin fixes this, um, removing the human element, the applied element. Um, and, and, and so... You know, that lesson from my, you know, late teens, early 20s, and of course, it, you know, continues to be a work in progress to find that balancing act between theory, um, narrative, and, you know, the real life, you know, practical aspects of what we're dealing with um, is something that sticks with me. And I try to remember that when I come back to my engagements today, you know, to your earlier point about um, trying to be diplomatic and and polite and, and engaging, it really is trying to bring it back down to a to to a human level. Look to you know what unites us, what we have in common, before we then 
you know, go to what distinguishes us and, and you know, what we, we may disagree about. Let me make sure I understand your arc correctly here. Uh, early on in your late teens, early 20s, you were involved more in the day-to-day action and advocacy side of things, uh, community engagement, I would imagine, but then felt like, again, you wanted to seek out this capital T truth from maybe more of an intellectual academic perspective, but then realized that wasn't the answer either. And you've kind of swung back to the other side of the spectrum. Is that accurate? Is that That's right. You said it much better than I did. <laughs> I don't know if that... Um, and so now you're, now you're uh, working in community health, is that correct? Correct. Tell us about that position. Sure. So, um, you know, eventually, as I, as I was saying, I eventually moved on to a graduate degree in political science and, and decided uh, after my, my master's degree that I would take a year off, um, which has turned into 20 years before pursuing a, a PhD. Uh, did an internship with the World Health Organization in Washington, D.C., uh, my intention was to go back and, and do a PhD focused on international development, uh, human rights, and, and coincidentally discovered through the World Health Organization internship health as, um, a, as an avenue to pursue human rights. Uh, was working in the area of non-communicable diseases, social development in Latin America and the Caribbean and, and sort of latched onto it. Uh, and decided I would run with it for 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 a bit because you know if you look at the questions of let's say land distribution in you know Central America or land, uh, Latin America on the grounds of human rights and socioeconomic development etc you will come up against you know political forces that are calcitrant and and and, and challenging to to overcome. But if you can make a similar argument on the grounds of, uh, of, of the health of a population that if you don't redistribute land, you're going to be facing a, an epidemic of dengue fever or something like that. It's a very strategic, tactical way to approach some of the same questions. And so, you know, decided I would pursue that thread further and continue to work with the World Health Organization uh, for a couple of years, uh, transitioned over to another uh, NGO in the States focused on HIV AIDS prevention uh, and care globally. Um, so working with physicians primarily throughout the world on uh, scale up of antiretroviral uh, treatments, and then made a move back to Canada where I sort of made a sideways movement into the, the community health center world. Um, didn't know community health centers by the name, um, but as I, you know, got to know community health centers here in Canada, realized that, ah, you know, this was a a way of describing effective health and social interventions that I already witnessed in practice in other parts of the world. Uh, They just hadn't been known by the name of community health center. But they were, you know, in essence, multifaceted, locally stewarded health, integrated health and social service efforts to improve the population of uh, the health of a local a local population. And um, I've been working with community health centers now for, you know, going on 17, 18 years. I didn't know you were that old, Scott. <laughs> it's the baby face. That's right. That's right. You and I both. <laughs> um, I get the impression that your work, while you're passionate about it and fulfilling, there's an element of discouragement. And I can probably relate to that being in the healthcare field as well. But I sense that thread uh, with you, and I, I sense that thread 
pulls into your overall uh, frustration with uh, the progressive movement and some of these causes that mean a great deal to you. You've gone from advocacy, boots on the ground, traveling, community efforts when you're young and being discouraged and overwhelmed with that to trying to find, again, the intellectual answer for all these problems and now swinging back to the other side, but still recognizing the challenge faced with, with the boots on the ground approach and some of the bureaucracy that, sh- that you're facing. Can you tell us more about those frustrations that you're experiencing with, uh, not only with in the healthcare sector itself, but how that's overlapped now into more your political identity as a progressive center left and some of these other human rights issues that you care about? I, I guess I would say that the frustrations are layered. At base, um, the frustrations have to do with broken systems, broken structure, structures, and perverse incentives. We see those, you know, across the board in in society politically, um, you know, and those translate into um, healthcare, but more broadly, health focused efforts as well. You know, we we continue to have a healthcare system, you know, in Canada, uh, the United States, the UK, and elsewhere um, that was initially structured. So putting aside, you know, insurance and payment schemes and all of that for a sense, just fundamentally the structure and, and the, the approaches towards health and healthcare. Um, systems that were structured for an agrarian economy, um, perhaps a, a manufacturing economy, the world of, you know, the late 19th century, perhaps early 20th century. Um, where the Marcus Welby family physician um, approach, you know, was at the center, uh, a treatment-focused um, a- approach. And our knowledge about what has an impact on health, um, 80 to 90% of which is outside of the healthcare system, um, hasn't been well enough integrated into those approaches. So that's the one, you know, that's one issue when it comes to, to, to healthcare. We, we continue to, you know, approach health predominantly through um, systems and structures that are treatment oriented and that place responsibility for, for care within, you know, the hands of uh, a, a small subset of individuals working in very um, uh, fragmented structures them, themselves, hospitals, uh, primary care offices and, and so forth. So there's that you know, broader systemic approach. Um, and, and, and so uh, I find hope and, and um, inspiration working with community health centers because at the level of health and healthcare, it, it's a, uh, an approach that seeks to remedy that by integrating at the level of services, um, you know, healthcare with a variety of social services, those social determinants of health that have such an impact on people's uh, opportunity for well-being and ultimately ability to 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 maintain health. So what I was getting at was your, I know that we've spoken previously about some of your frustrations uh, with, again, the, the incentives that are present in healthcare, but that is also translated into, uh, again, your, your more progressive politics. Can you speak to your frustrations there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think more broadly, 
um, you know, our, our analysis of the challenges we face um, in terms of, of social, economic, uh, and climate justice, um, how to build the better, more inclusive society have, have also been fragmented. So the same way that we've taken a siloed approach to healthcare, treatment of the individual, treatment of the family, treatment of the community uh, through a, a, you know, a, a fragmented approach, you know, that applies at, at, a, at a broader social level. Um, I'm not sure where this happened, but it feels as though at some point, the center center left of which I, you know, where, where I find, you know, I, uh, I'm at home in terms of values of vision and practical solutions focused at, you know, social inclusion um, and, and social justice. Um, we've lost important elements of analysis um, that can give us the picture we need to construct, you know, um, practical solutions. Uh, to get more, more, more concrete, I absolutely believe in the need to dedicate a lot of our attention to sociological, psychological, cultural aspects of, of you know, the challenges that we face, um, how it is we achieve social inclusion uh, in, in the workplace, in education, uh, and, and, and beyond. What I feel has been lost is the economic analysis to go with that, a real grounding in political economy, uh, an understanding of, of financial and monetary systems, um, how those function in practical terms, um, whether we agree with them or not, to understand them so we can better diagnose the ills and propose solutions that are grounded in, in, in a practical understanding of, of how they work rather than thin narratives about the poor distribution of wealth and uh, standing up villains that, you know, we cast as, as responsible for all the ills. It may be that there are some villains involved here. But, you know, without fundamentally understanding monetary and financial systems and having a, a, a more robust political economic analysis of, of what underlies some of our, you know, social ills, I think our approaches are going to continue to, you know, be inadequate. And I find, you know, inadequacy in a lot of what's coming out of the, the, the left these days, quite frankly. And as, in as much as you saw health as a means to human rights. It sounds like you are now seeing money, economic systems as also a lens by which to view human rights. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to, um, for a second, portray myself as, as some, some sort of sage. I've, I've come about, you know, this, uh, this, the theory of, of a gap, uh, the progressive movements and you know the political left by way of my own journey of understanding over the past few years you know this was a gap that i had um in my own you know analyses of of social political and economic challenges you know until a few years ago um bitcoin is a part of that journey but it's not you know the 
the the only reason for that for for, for that journey. Um, so this has been a pro a, a project of 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 discovery for myself, and I'm trying to be authentic and intellectually honest about you know where I've been, where I am, and and where I think I'm going, um, hoping to invite you know peers from the the the, the progressive movement if you want to call it uh, such, to, you know, to also take a closer look. Tell us about your Bitcoin journey. Sure. So it didn't start with, it, it actually started with an honest attempt to understand money, finances, personal finances, um, and take a more active interest in those. What spawned that? You know, I, I I would say that up until about 2018 or so, I was what I would characterize as a, a somewhat common, you know, progressive in that I had a very awkward relationship with money, a very awkward relationship with the idea of wealth, you know, that it's, it, you know, it's something that's there. It's something I, I operate within a, you know, a market-based, to live within a market-based society, but um, there's somehow some shame in, you know, in participating in it. It's it's something we don't do. It's something that fulfills a, a, a need, a function. There's a utility value to it, but, you know, conversations around money, um, financial systems, monetary systems, structures, et cetera, are things that those people on the right-hand side of the, 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 the political spectrum do because that's their primary interest. And so there was a caricature of, you know, who should be interested in money, why uh, it's, it's relative value and, and associating it with a lot of social ills without a lot of research to ground that that sort of attitude. And I find that that's something that's sort of shared as a cultural, a cultural norm um, uh, across the, the, the political center to, to, to left. Having said that, I have a pretty diverse group of friends, you know, a lot of whom are really committed to issues of social justice, um, you know, social inclusion, et cetera, and happen to work in the financial industry or other, you know, private sector industries. And, you know, over the course of years, we've had some really engaging, thoughtful conversations, um, not only about this, but I think just the example of them as, as individuals who work in the private sector, work in finance, et cetera, and are, you know, nonetheless, you know, committed to building the better world that I think we want to see. It gave me pause. And, 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 and so I made that commitment about 2018, 2019, to start taking a closer look starting with my own personal finances. What is my relationship to money? What should that be for my family? And how do I situate this, you know, in a, a broader perspective of what I want society to look like? And, 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 and so that was the impetus for my journey. Um, you know, not to take up too much time on, 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 on this, you know, started looking at what I felt comfortable investing in, what you know, pension plans are invested in trying to understand how this work led me to some, you know, understanding of how markets work, um, equity markets, bond work markets, credit markets, um, and, you know, looking at the idea of a balanced portfolio, um, started hearing about this thing. Again, I'd heard about it previously, but, you know, only in name, started hearing about this thing, Bitcoin, and thought, hmm, 
Maybe this is something, you know, that should go in an investment portfolio, maybe one or 2%. Let me buy some of this thing and get to know what it is. So it was strictly on that grounds that, you know, I first encountered Bitcoin and, you know, little did I know, <laughs> you know, the sort of uh, journey it would take me on from there. Well, thank you so much for, for being so candid. And I can relate to that sentiment in the sense that you you feel a little uncomfortable thinking about money, wanting to learn about it, wanting to better understand it because of its caricature for conservatism. And yet everything that underpins human rights and social justice, you know, what are the what are the means by which we want to address those things? Money. Absolutely. And, and so I, I think it's a little, you know, in hindsight, disingenuous to not want to better understand those things. But I, I get you, you know, you start questioning, you start reading those books, you're like, oh God, I'm, am I going to vote Republican next year? <laughs> next year? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? But yeah. what, what, what you end up realizing is that the labels end up being so enigmatic, so almost meaningless. Like, I honestly, you can't necessarily slap a label on and how I feel politically at the, at this point. And I think Bitcoin and, and understanding money had a lot to do with that. The values and the the initiatives, all of that has remained the same for me. But labeling me, you know, Democrat, conservative, libertarian, progressive, you know, it's like, well, what does that mean to you? And and you start to step back from this as as again, as you said, the caricature of what it should be. And once you move past that uncomfortable feeling of, oh God, am I not being a good progressive? It's much more, um, the, the doors open and, and it's much more liberating to be able to refocus on the things that you care about. Because you're not concerned about being necessarily true to what people believe that entity should be, that identity should be. No, you recommit to the goals that you, that brought you into that ideology in the first place. Yeah, and I and I and I think that it's so easy for us to mistake perverted and um, unfair manifestations of a thing with the thing itself. Yes, absolutely. Um, bad government, government driven by money, driven by perverse incentives, um, to confuse that with the idea of government and right, collectivism. Right, right, right. And, and similarly, you, you know, where I've where I've come to, and it, you know, it. it it's an ongoing journey is that mm -hmm. I do believe that there, there is good in markets in a market system where there are methods of exchange that are abstracted so that I can exchange this abstraction for something that I want or need um, uh, irrespective of the fact that, that I produce it or, or that, you know, that, that I don't have something of value to exchange in return for it other than this abstraction, which is, which is money. I think that there's tremendous value in some of that development and in, in terms of what enables uh, um, by way of, of social progress, you know, we can get into, you know, the, the ills of, 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 uh, of our fiat system and, and so forth. But fundamentally, the idea of markets, the idea of exchange, um, the idea of, um, being able to accrue value, um, you know, are fundamentally good 
now how do we how do we take those fundamental concepts mm-hmm. and 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 build from them systems and structures that achieve not perfection <laughs> um I'm not looking for a utopia but for something better than we have currently um and something that enables us to actually place human dignity at the core and and distribute um uh, uh whatever it is we consider wealth you know more universally um, more globally so that we don't have the disparities that you know have been uh, accumulating for for centuries so when was it that you saw bitcoin as potentially more than just something to put into your portfolio it's taken shape gradually i i would say it's probably a couple years now that you know i had that aha moment this is this is much more than an investment um it's 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 been reassuring and affirming to hear so many people say that you know they came for the number go up and they stayed for the you know the evolution/revolution that 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 has been an entry, entry point for for so many people but you know you come in and you hear about this you know this magic internet money and uh all the headlines are talking about its relative value based on scarcity and you know some of those first encounters with the fundamental properties of 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 bitcoin and 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 you know you you chew on that for a little bit and and then you go uh, another layer deeper and you understand uh you know how bitcoin is juxtaposed against fiat and fiat you know and and you learn about the uh the end of the of the you know gold standard and what that unleashed in terms of you know money uh and and our global monetary system and you know you go another layer deeper to understand uh how that recycles through um bond and credit markets and and you learn more about um debt and gdp and so forth and so on and and then the particular examples of what this means to different people different nations communities around the world and it just it builds it you know and i i can't say exactly when and where the aha moment was but it was at some point you know probably a couple of years ago understanding um the the value proposition of of bitcoin um not strictly as an investment asset but as a a technology and tool to restructure reshape broken systems um that you know that that was my 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 aha moment the point where i said okay this is bigger <laughs> and really you know accelerated my learning journey and in some sense it seems to have followed the same arc that you went through in your career where you found out about bitcoin and while there maybe wasn't an uh you know an activism boots on the ground type moment at that time with Bitcoin, you went on that intellectual journey with it to better understand money, mm-hmm. better understand uh, the history of, of, of money, of finance, and so forth. And that arc then brought you back around to, well, how does that play out to, you know, the people that I interact with on a day-to-day basis? How does that interact with people worldwide? And how does that factor into the issues that I, that I care about? which ultimately gets you back to how is it going to play out in these very uh, concrete examples that we'll get to later with regard to, say, Bitcoin Beach or Bitcoin Lake uh, and so forth. 
back to your your community efforts that that you hold so dear. So a very interesting uh, arc there, I think, uh, that you experienced in the past. No, ab- absolutely. Uh, that's not lost on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of your your fantastic threads, uh, Scott is known for his wonderful threads that he puts uh, out on on Bitcoin. And you had one where you talk about framing Bitcoin for policymakers, and you called it your walk and chew gum approach. And this approach, I gather, stems from um, how you see healthcare being um, presented and implemented within society, um, kind of, as you described earlier, a fragmented and siloed approach in how we should be looking at it differently. And in turn, how policymakers should be looking at Bitcoin differently. Can you describe that walk and chew gum approach for us? Yeah, I, I mean, fundamentally, it really is asking policymakers to look across their silos to understand that that we need intersectoral approaches to you know building the better world we want, um, and that fundamentally, if we take a housing only, a healthcare only, um, a seniors only, a, a youth only, a an industry only approach to, you know, human development, they're, they're fundamental flaws because we live in a complex world with complex systems and structures that interact and we need to better appreciate how those interact and the you know knock-on effects of 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 each of those on on each other. So, with respect to Bitcoin, um, you know the analysis of uh, of its place in our society, the evolution um, has been incredibly fragmented when it comes to you know generally mainstream media analysis as well as 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 political analysis and and most frustratingly um, political analysis coming out of progressive you know movements um, it has been exclusively on a narrow um, interpretation of climate concern um, and environmental impact it has been on a narrow uh, analysis and concern related to how Bitcoin fits in as an investment technology um, or investment asset and to what extent and by whom it should be regulated, um, so forth, without, you know, drawing that thread or weaving that thread between um, the various aspects of society uh, and policy that Bitcoin touches upon. And so, you know, I think that thread you're referring to, the idea of walking and chewing gum, was specifically a, a call for policymakers to take a look at Bitcoin's potential environmental um, impact, um, not strictly from an analysis of how much energy is used to mine Bitcoin, but A, it's global value in terms of uh, social, economic, uh, and and community development, the extent to which it is actually being used as a liberatory tool um, around the world is is providing uh, a financial on-ramp to hundreds of millions of unbanked individuals and individuals who 
face uh, a myriad of forms of political persecution. Um, so to examine its energy consumption, you know, in relation to its utility, of which there's tremendous utility. And I would say that that isn't just a phenomenon of, you know, the global south, but there are scores of, of individuals, families and communities um, that, you know, have been excluded from our legacy financial system for decades or centuries that are finding benefit from um, from from Bitcoin in the United States and Canada, Europe, and 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 elsewhere. So you know to assess it in relation to its its social utility, um, but also to look at it with respect to what it is um, to some extent, perhaps completely in into the future, but to some extent um, displacing. Um, it is as a, an investment asset, displacing gold as a store of value. So assess its environmental impact relative to the environmental impact of gold mining. We've allowed gold mining to, you know, continue unassailed um, for, you know, for, for, for decades, causing a tremendous amount of environmental degradation um, and to say nothing of illicit um, human rights abuses in, in the global south, um, appropriation of land um, in Canada, in, you know, in the United States, in the Amazon basin and, and elsewhere. Um, what is the environmental impact of our legacy financial system in terms of brick and mortar and all of the transactional activities of not just commercial banking, but you know, intermediaries like Western Union uh, and, and, and other intermediaries um, that, play, that play a part. So look at Bitcoin mining's environmental footprint with respect to those. But also, and, and wait, there's more. <laughs> you know, look at um, you know, the positive developments coming from Bitcoin mining in terms of what it does as a um, an intermittent demand uh, industry uh, to actually provide the sort of reliable consumer of last resort for energy, which enables scale up of of, of energy grids. You know, um, you know, others point out much more eloquently in, uh, um, than than me that if we really want to make an impact on on climate change, we need to electrify in a massive way. Um, and that's not simple. If it was that simple, it would already have happened. You know, energy supply and demand and grids are incredibly complex. Um, and Bitcoin mining plays a tremendously important niche role within that. Um, in you know, in addition to, you know, offset of, of, of methane, um, you know, and a myriad of other, you know, um, roles within addressing climate change itself that have, you know, a net benefit. So all of that to say, you know, my, my you know, walk and chew gum um, appeal to policymakers was, you know, take a step back, zoom out and look at Bitcoin mining and the network and technology, you know, in the broader context of the social economic and political good that it's achieving, you know, in in your own jurisdiction as well as globally. Yeah, that approach also I think applies to 
speaking one-on-one with with friends and peers uh, about Bitcoin. And it, it's fascinating, you know, just as we acknowledge uh, somehow passively, you know, that money is involved in the issues that we care about, it's usually from a negative standpoint that it's all about the money, quote unquote, right. or that there's perverse incentives there uh, allowing for negative externalities. Yet, we don't take the flip side of that scenario to understand that it is incentives. Let's change the incentives. Absolutely, yeah. And and Bitcoin very much does that as as you described. And I'm curious to know if you've if you've used this those talking points that approach with some of your friends who are in the finance industry um, that I assume also you know care about a lot of the issues that you do as well. How do they view Bitcoin? You know, Bitcoin's an acquired taste. There, there's a proof of work involved, right? <laughs> to borrow the, to to borrow the term. I, um, I think that um, there are different grounds on which people get it um, fun, fundamentally. Um, sort of a a um, where where the the roots um, finally take hold. Um, with some folks, it's strictly on a sort of investment. Um, basis, you know, understanding, for instance, that if you're looking at it as an investment asset, um, you know, you can look at something like, um, like, like Amazon um, as, as, as a comparator. Um, I know that's not going to be the, the, you know, the most palatable, um, you know, comparator for, for, for some audiences, but when you consider that, you know, Amazon, um, as a, a, a disruptive business model, you know, um, went through, you know, one, one or more, you know, 80% drawdowns in price, um, all the while its underlying, um, you know, business model was, you know, intact and the adoption curve of, of, and subscription to, to Amazon as a business model, you know, looked, looked golden and you appreciate, you know, the sort of growth trajectory of a disruptive um, asset like, like, like that. I think folks in the, in the financial industry get it perhaps on that ground. Um, they may also get it on the, the ground of, of, you know, um, some of the disruptive technology. So for instance, via Bitcoin and the Lightning Network, transacting global payments and understanding how that's going to um, disintermediate businesses like Western Union um, and perhaps PayPal and, and, and others. So I think there are those um, those those grounds, but I find that's some of the easier stuff, and and not necessarily where my attention is. Um, you know, mm-hmm. my focus isn't on. You know, you would note from my from my Twitter thread, my talk about Bitcoin. It's never about Bitcoin as an investment asset, as a as a, a never talking about price action, et cetera. Even though you know, I I do have an eye to some of that sort of stuff because that's part of the story. It really is about the you know, social, economic, and and climate um, justice um, proposal of, of Bitcoin and what it's doing in practical terms. So, so that's where I try to spend my time. But these individuals who care about the same social issues that you do and happen to work in finance only seem to focus on the financial elements of Bitcoin. Is what you're saying? Not, not exclusively. I, I, I think that's where the that's that that's to some extent where the primary interest is. Mm-hmm. 
what we're saying around Bitcoin's, you know, global development um, utility really is that it is going to disrupt financial, monetary and political systems and structures um, that are fundamentally inequitable, unequal and perpetuate uh, the accrual of wealth to a limited few in a, in, in a limited number of countries um, to a large extent at the, the direct expense of, of, of the many in a much larger number of countries, right? I mean, the, the example of um, the CFA Franc and it's, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's decades of, of uh, colonial impact in Western and Central Africa um, to the benefit of, of, of France over those decades is, you know, a prime example. We're looking to disrupt that. And, and um, you know, obviously that sits just fine with me. I think that sits just fine with those of us who, you know, dedicate more of our time to social and, and global development. Um, perhaps it's something that, that sits okay with folks that, you know, work in the financial industry, but, um, you know, have an eye to, you know, social justice and human justice issues. Um, but I imagine it's probably somewhat uncomfortable as well. Sure. So boots on the ground, getting your, your hands dirty is, is certainly what it seems to be your passion uh, these days and for the entirety of your career for that matter. What are your hopes for Bitcoin uh, to that end? You've, you've spoken uh, a lot about, you know, Bitcoin Beach, uh, Bitcoin Lake, uh, Bitcoin Akasi, some of these projects that are looking to build um, circular economies and bring Bitcoin to the global south and everywhere. What are your hopes, your ideas, your thoughts about how we can best bring Bitcoin to the world? Yeah, I mean, those examples are, 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 are the beacons of hope to me because, you know, not only are... are um, do they demonstrate and practice how it is that Bitcoin can find roots at the local level and transform um, from, you know, strictly the technology and the asset to um, the, the practical use cases of bringing um, hope, bringing opportunity and inclusion to those communities and individuals in those communities. So I would love to see, you know, examples like that multiply, you know, hundreds of times throughout the world. Uh, there's a, I think that there's a tension in, you know, we talk about a, a, a Bitcoin community. I mean, it's a, it's a community of communities. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a vast network of people focused on different, aspects of, of bitcoin's you know use and and, and value um, and their tensions within that um, there are those who you know are focused on and again i don't want to i don't i don't want to inadvertently you know uh, posit camps here and suggest that you know uh, we're we're uh, you know you know at 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 significant odds because i i find that there's you know there's something unifying <laughs> about about Bitcoin. Lots of work still to be done, but you know, there's something potentially very unifying about about Bitcoin. But there are those who are focused on the price action. There are those who, you know, are are focused on corporate adoption, on you know the expansion of Bitcoin mining and and how that becomes industrialized and and largely with a view to you know, the financial benefit to be, 
you know, achieved from that. And, and coincidentally, I think are, are, are also, you know, learning about and concerned with some of the global development aspects of, of, of Bitcoin. Um, if, if, if for no other reason than global adoption is, you know, an underlying um, imperative for the, you know, for the, for the, for the number go up. So, so to speak. And then there are those of us who are really focused on, you know, much more on the distribution and making sure that this technology finds its way into as many hands, as many communities around the world as possible, because as, as, disruptive and revolutionary as the technology is if it accrues to only a small number um, of people and in a small number of countries then ultimately it's it's liberating potential its development potential for us as a species um, has been significantly limited and so my view is is that bitcoin mining um, and through renewables um, will you know take root throughout the world that uh, throughout the African continent, Latin America, Southeast Asia, we'll see hydro solar, um, you know, powered Bitcoin that enables um, not only the, the hash rate globally to be further distributed, but, you know, will help to accrue the, 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 the wealth benefits to those parts of the world uh, and that more circular economies will, will take root as, as we were talking about, similar to Bitcoin Lake and Bitcoin Beach and Bitcoin Akasi. You know, really that this will, that global adoption will truly be global. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm excited to play whatever small part I can to, you know, to make that happen. Given your experience, uh, your career is built on community efforts. What can we learn from your experience to make that goal a reality worldwide? I think it is the power of community and the special role of community. You know, I think a lot of Bitcoiners talk uh, about, you know, don't trust verify and that there's, you know, the sovereign individual, et cetera. Um, there's a small portion of individuals who are really non-statists who believe that we're disrupting, you know, the aggregating negative impact of of governments and so forth. I think it's a small um, subset. But there's, I think, a sweet spot when it comes to the, the future world that we want to habit that is somewhere between the, the large state with an accumulating number of things that it is responsible for um, and, and responsible for overseeing, you know, through tax dollars and, and regulation, et cetera, on the one hand, and that libertarian you know, view of the sovereign individual somewhere in the middle where we have, you know, where we've, where we've identified how best to organize ourselves collectively such that, you know, we uh, achieve economies of scale and, uh, and, and can aggregate, you know, goods to the collective and also provide protection, you know, to the minority. Um, uh, uh, an ability to live in, in safety and peace and, and so forth. And when we get to that point, I feel that there's got to be not only government, but there has to be some sort of collectivity at the community level. And so I think that the future world of, you know, 
on the Bitcoin standard and, you know, as the world takes shapes is more communitarian in, in nature where um, entities or groupings like, um, like community health centers, community-based organizations play a trusted role as intermediaries and, and trusted brokering parties at the community level um, to accrue the benefit of living in a community uh, and to organize that such that, you know, it, it has a net benefit for everyone um, there. I see that every day, you know, uh, um, as, as uh, the shit hit the fan with COVID in the United States, in Europe, in, in Canada, it was really community health centers as nimble community organizations with relationships of trust that could pivot and mobilize quickly. Um, knowing how best to address, you know, the emerging needs of different um, different members of the community. In some cases, you know, individuals were cut off from their family. You know, and they needed needed an organization to act as a connective tissue. You know, to 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 help them from falling into isolation and and illness. Um, and so, these community organizations, like community health centers, like other community social service organizations. Um, are connective tissue at a local level with enough degree of, of coordination and administration that they can, you know, make sure that trains run on time, so to, so to speak, and that, and that um, not everyone has to, you know, um, be a master of all the goods that they need and all the services that they need, but at the same time, not being so large um, that they are, are they, 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 they just are a morass of bureaucratic weight. And so I'm not sure if that answered the question, but it really is to see, you know, a more organized role for community attached to Bitcoin globally. And I, that's why I say, um, these, you know, nascent movements and organizations like Bitcoin Beach, Bitcoin Lake, um, Bitcoin Akasi. Um, you know, I think are the vision of, you know, what we want more of globally so that, you know, absolutely, you know, don't trust, but verify. But at a certain moment, if we're going to live in a civil organized society, you know, that has rules and, and, you know, seeks to uh, accrue goods to the benefit of the community um, and hash that all up. We've got to have some sort of trusted entities to do that, and I, I think community organizations like that are are are, are key. Maybe the Fediman's project will be the economic uh, connective tissue that helps these communities flourish. Uh, in that sense, it'd be it's it's certainly fascinating. Really yeah. exciting, yeah. Really exciting development, yeah. Scott, final thoughts. There's so much when you look around uh, about which we could despair. Um, you know, uh, there is a tremendous amount of divisiveness, um, politically, socially, um, accentuated via certain social media, um, concerns about a destabilizing world, um, <laughs> you know, different political tensions, um, globally. And I feel that I would be slipping into, you know, a bit of a depression were it not for the promise that I see emerging from things like Bitcoin, um, that somehow amidst all of these challenges, you know, a, you know, that there's something better taking shape. Um, and 
you know, I'm not one of those who, who simply says Bitcoin fixes this, Bitcoin fixes everything. I mean, we need human agency to do so, but I think we have such a powerful tool from which to build a better world. And I see so many people doing that. Um, and I see people who are doing that from their pre, uh, from, from, from the political perspectives into which they, or from which they, you know, they came to Bitcoin. But gradually over time, I see connection. I know there's a lot of divisiveness still, but I see connection. I people see people reaching across, you know, um, political ideology and 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 working this out. And um, there's still a lot of clouds, but I but I but I find tremendous hope in what we're doing. Um, you know, your podcast and some of the others that I've seen that have been developing the area of education and and dialogue. You know, tremendous cause for hope. So um, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful. I want to add one more question here. Uh, I think a lot of individuals who care about the issues that we've discussed throughout this episode have devoted their lives and their careers to fighting for those issues by different means. Mm -hmm. And Bitcoin comes along and says, hey, I can fix those. Right. And I get the sense from a lot of these individuals that they're they're put off by that proposition. They're put off by perhaps maybe not fully recognizing that I've committed my life to doing this, fighting for these issues. I haven't perhaps made as much inroads or as much change as I had hoped. And now it's almost being um, averse to Bitcoin because it claims to do what I've been fighting for my, my whole life. What would you say to those individuals? Yeah, um, I think I'd say I'm, but for, I would be, just like you coming from that perspective for whatever reason uh, and 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 at the time that i became acquainted with bitcoin and for whatever reason it led me down the journey uh here i am but if i were to imagine it otherwise you know i would probably be coming from that same perspective and i say that like with with a deep humility um i'd want to say to folks that that are working um, to fight, you know, um, climate change. That you know are working on issues of social, economic, political justice via other means, and for whom you know Bitcoin comes along and seems like this, you know, this cocky, <laughs> you know, kid who's saying I'm going to eat your lunch, sort of thing. Um, like, I get it. I appreciate it. I honor your work. I honor what you stand for. I share your values, but you know, I would very humbly ask you take a look. If not to buy Bitcoin, just take a deeper look at some of the things that that folks, perhaps like myself, uh, other folks that have been interviewed on this podcast, you know, have been saying related to the value and potential of of Bitcoin. Um, we really are aiming for the same. Uh, for 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 the same things, I you know, with the deepest sincerity and, and humility, you know, believe that that this offers tremendous hope and potential, um, and you know, uh, hope that you know we can dialogue around it. But you know, it's really a, a an 
a sincere open invitation into that conversation. Um, I think we're 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 part of the same movement. We want the same the same thing. So you know, apologies if Bitcoin seems like this cocky kid that's coming to steal your lunch, sort sort of thing. It's I, I'm chuckling at that, right? It's it just seems preposterous. I I, I can appreciate that, but let, let's talk. Scott, what besides Bitcoin gives you hope? Oh, my kids, <laughs> uh, kids in general, you know, so beautifully open to the world in front of them, um, approaching it, you know, with with open eyes, without preconceived notions necessarily, uh, and um, <laughs> you know, my 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 three kids have been introduced to 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 to, to Bitcoin. We we talk about it in the context of. Uh, they're still pretty young, but we talk about it in the context of, you know, other things that we talk about, social justice, the environment, et, et cetera. And, you know, um, they, they take it seriously. You know, they want a, a, a world that is fair, that has opportunity, that they want to materialize what I, what I imagine, you know, is only a, a, still a dream. Um, but, you know, to look at, at that potential and, through their eyes to, to, to see them engage gives me, you know, tremendous hope. And I'm, I'm sure that's something that most parents would, would echo. So I try to see myself as a, a truly as a custodian of, of their future. They keep me honest. Wonderful. Tell the listeners where they can find your work. Sure. I'm, uh, I'm mostly on Twitter. I, I, I'm on some other social media platforms, but rarely. Uh, so the best way would be on, uh, on Twitter. I'm at Scott A. Wolf. That's Wolf with an E. So S-C-O-T-T-A, like Apple, Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Uh, drop me a message. Would love to chat. You know, we're in this together. Thank you so much, Scott. This was wonderful. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Progressive Bitcoiner. If you enjoyed the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and please leave a review. And don't forget, we have a website, theprogressivebitcoiner.com, where we have a lot of great content on Bitcoin and progressive issues. Thanks again for tuning in.